1: Thank you, Kevin, for that video. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. The 15th chapter of Luke is an incredible chapter in the Bible because the whole chapter focuses on on one thing and one thing only the salvation of souls and the celebration of the salvation of souls. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And what's interesting about this chapter is that Jesus, who is speaking, gives three parables. And a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. Jesus basically is painting a picture to the people he is talking to, to help them to understand what heaven is really all about. The first parable that he gives is about a lost sheep. This sheep has just simply wandered off. As some sheep usually do, just unaware, inadvertently, kind of too dumb to come back. And because the sheep has wandered off, Jesus says that that shepherd will leave the 99 to go after the one. And what that tells me and you is that sometimes in our life, we inadvertently walk away from the Lord. And Jesus will come after you. Then he goes on to tell another parable about a lost coin, about how this woman has lost 10% of her income. And she searches high and low until she finds it. And then when she finds it, she celebrates and rejoices. That tells you and I that you are of high worth to our Heavenly Father. You're not a mistake. You're not worthless. He paid a dear high price for me and you. And when you and I come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is one incredible celebration in heaven. I guess it would have been nice if Jesus would have stopped there, but that's not like our Lord. He gives one more parable, and this parable is about two sons. And the interesting thing about these two sons is they are the polar opposite of each other yet they're in the same condition. They have two completely different lifestyles, yet they are in the same condition. And as crazy as it sounds, one will seem as far off from the Lord, and the other one will seem as close to the Lord, but yet both of them are completely lost and without hope. And so this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, a tale of two. We're going to kind of bounce around this morning in Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, but I want us to look at these two brothers. And you're going to be amazed how they're completely opposite from one another, but yet at the same time, they're the same. So the first thing we're going to notice about these two brothers is that they were both in it for the money. And that's a little scary. Both of these men were just in it for the money. Look at me at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is what it says it says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. <laughs> man, <laughs> you talk about bold, you talk about brassy. Dad, I know when you kick the bucket, I get half of your estate. But, Dad, I'm tired of waiting. Just go ahead and give it to me now. Now, what's interesting is rather than the father getting in his face, the father grants him his desire. What you and I need to be careful of is every now and then you're going to ask God for something. And it won't be good. And God will, more inclined, grant you your desire. So you and I need to be careful sometimes of what we ask for. Then we look at the second brother, and it says, Yep, when this son, meaning the younger son, comes comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Now here's the other son that has stayed home. But notice his reaction when his brother comes back home after having a bad life. He's upset. Think about this. The father has divided the estate 50-50, and now all of a sudden he's upset because dad is spending his money on his sorry brother. You're celebrating with a party, you've killed the fat the calf. It, he really was more upset about him losing his money. In church you have to understand today, <laughs> money is not evil. It's the love of the money that is the root of all evil. And yet you see both sons wanting the money. Now here's what's sad about these two. Both of them are in completely opposite directions in life. But both of them are in the same boat together. And here's the boat that they're in. They were more concerned about the father's things and the father's wealth than they were about a relationship with the father. And what you and I have to be careful today... Is that we can get in so involved in the things of this world, we forget all about Almighty God. So the question we may be asked each other this morning, what motivates you? What drives you this morning? Is it just to be financially successful? Is it to be up and rising athlete? What's driving you? What drove these two was Money. And because money was driving them, you get to see some interesting things take place. For instance, the younger son, once he received his money, he ran far away while the older son stayed close. Look at me in verse Luke 15, 13. It says, a few days later, this younger son packed up his belongings and moved. Dad, I don't care about you. Dad, I want nothing to do with you. All I want is the money. And once he got the money, he ran. He moved. The other brother, notice what the father says. Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. One runs away. One stays real close. But what is interesting is that both of them are as far away from their father as they can possibly be. See, we have people in our families we have friends that are running as hard away from God as they can possibly be. And sometimes we'll have a hypocritical spirit and we'll look down and say, man, they're as lost as lost can be. Man, they're going to bust hell wide open. But that the truth will be known, you're just as far as they are. Because although you come to church, although you are a morally good and ethical person, you really have nothing to do with God Almighty. You're probably in worse shape than they are because at least they know they're running from God. You don't even know that. What happens for most of us is we just like to keep God at a safe distance. You know, we, we have these new vehicles today and my son's got this car and you can get in it and you can hit the cruise control. And it'll stay just safety back from a person when they're driving. You can just stay a safe distance from them. And it's neat, when they stop, it stops. When they take off, it takes off. It keeps you a safe distance away. And that's good for a car. It's not good for you and me. Because what we tend to do is we want to keep God, we want to keep spiritual things at a safe distance. We want to keep them close enough so we look good. But we don't want to embrace them into our very heart and our very life. And anytime you keep God at a safe distance, you're in danger. So here we have a son, takes the money and runs as far away as he can. But you have another son that's mad because his brother's spending his money. But really, when you look at his heart, he's just as guilty as his other one because he's as far away from home as he could be, even though he's living under the same roof as his dad. The son that's rebelling... Now rebels and parties with wild living and prostitutes. Where the other son obeys every word his dad tells him. Look at Luke fifteen thirteen. We read this again. that And there was, he wasted his money with wild living. Verse 31 also tells his prostitutes. Here you go. He's rebelling as hard as he can. He's as lost as lost could be. But yet in verse 29 where we see the father tells this other son, never once have you refused to do a single thing you told me. He said, Dad, I've done everything you've told me. Basically, I am a good and moral person. I've done everything you ask. The problem is, for the older one, is that he was just so busy doing whatever was needed to be done around the house that he missed the most important thing. And that's to have a relationship. We see this in a story in the Bible just a few chapters earlier about Mary and Martha. Jesus comes to their house and Martha's real busy trying to take care of Jesus and Mary's just sitting there listening to him and Martha's complaining, Jesus, you need to tell her to get up and do something. And he says, Martha, you don't understand. Mary's doing what needs to be done. You're not. You're not doing what you should do. You should sit down and listen. And so what we have is that we have two sons. One is out and out rebelling against God as great as he can. One son is hanging on around the house, but he is just as guilty as his younger brother. There's no different. The, what really makes these two stay together is that both of them do not have a relationship with their father. Now, you got to remember, this is a parable Jesus is telling an earthly story to help us to identify how that applies to me and you about heaven. And what he's saying is, is that here you have one son that is out and out rebelling. And he knows he's rebelling because he wants nothing to do with his father. And yet you have another son that stays home and still wants nothing to do with his father. And both of them are going to be miserable because they lack having a relationship. And as I told you a minute ago, at least the younger son had enough common sense to know he had no relationship. The older son really wasn't paying attention. But you can see it so clearly in this passage of Scripture. Let's go back again to Luke 15, 13. We'll keep going back to this verse. It says, a few days later, the younger son packed up his belongings and moved to a distant land. Distant. I want to get as far away from my father as I can. Notice he just didn't move to the property next door. The Bible tells us he moved as far away as he could. Some of you this morning are running as hard and as far away from God as you can. And if you'll listen this morning, you're going to be in trouble. But the sad part about it is, you can be under this roof this morning and be no less guilty. Look at what it says about the older son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Now that just sounds like a simple sentence. So let me bring it home to you. If you were going to throw a party for one of your family members, would you invite all of your family? Don't answer that out loud. I know (laughs) that could be dangerous. Hang on. (laughs) If there was going to be a party at your house, wouldn't you tell your family members? Wouldn't you? Why didn't this son know about the party? Because the son... Because we're not talking they just threw a party. It wasn't like, hey, the son came home real quick, let's get this going. They killed the fatted calf. And what you have to understand, in Jewish days, the fatted calf was the most expensive piece of, of meat they had. The only time they ever killed the fatted calf was typically during a wedding feast. Now that his son has come home, when they're killing the fatted calf, they're inviting everybody to come because his son, who was once lost, is now found. He was once dead. He's now alive. So they're throwing this huge party. And yet the older son doesn't know about the party. Why? It's simple. He had no relationship with his father. None. None. Because let's be honest, it's hard to throw a surprise party nowadays. People find out. But yet he knew nothing about the party. Because he didn't want to know, he didn't have a relationship, and therefore because he didn't have a relationship, the father decided not to tell him. Listen, when you walk away from God, there are times he's going to walk away from you. He's not the one that walks away, you're the one that walks away. He's not the one that abandoned you. You're the one that abandoned him. And then you get mad and upset when he won't talk to you. And you're the one at fault. He is throwing a party and this son has no clue. And the reason why he has no clue because he doesn't have a relationship with his dad. That is sad, sad, sad. Nothing should go on in your house. That should ever divide your family members. You should love and care for one another, talk to each other. But yet, for whatever reason, this son abandoned his dad. No relationship. And listen, when you decide to have no relationship with God and with others, you're going to be left empty and alone. And you will see both brothers are going to be left empty and alone. Notice in Luke 15, 16, the young man became so hungry, this is the younger brother, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. You know, you're desperate when your pig food looks good. I got to admit though, I like pig. I like ham. I like bacon. I like sausage, pork chops. But the food they eat, never mind. But notice what it says, no one gave him anything. So here's a young man, openly rebels against his father, leaves home, goes to some distant land, and now he's wasted his money on parties and prostitutes, and he's left homeless, and he's left hungry, and he's left alone. But there's no difference with the older brother. Look at Luke 1525, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields, and when what he returned home, when he heard the music, his dad had a pretty big wealthy land. Why is he all by himself? Because nobody wanted to be around him. Notice it didn't say when they returned home, it says when he returned home. Nobody was around him. Are you one of those people that nobody wants to be around Are you one of those people? You may want to ask yourself why if nobody wants to be around you. Obviously, nobody wanted to be around this guy. His brother rebels, blows all of his money, and is lonely. This man is only working so dad will die so that he can get his money. Nothing about a relationship, all about the money. I'm going to cross every T, dot every I, do everything I need so when dad finally checks out, I can live the way I want to live and do what I want to do. Do you see a problem with that? This is an interesting fact. And this comes to the National Endowment for Financial Education. Do you realize that 70% of all lottery winners will be bankrupt within two years? 70%. Because in their brain and in their mind, they think, I want it big. I'm going to enjoy life. And because they weren't enjoying life before they won it, they're not going to enjoy life after they win it. Don't think that money's going to make you happy. You'll have friends you've never had before. Your family members will come out of the graves if you become wealthy. (laughs) If you can't be at peace and happy now, you won't be at peace and happy when you have money. What's sad is it happens all too often. I know of a man that his father passed away and left him millions of dollars. I mean, I know this guy personally. Went out, bought a multi-million dollar home on the river and got married. Took friends on an exotic vacations out of the country. Got divorced. And you have to wonder, why did she marry him? Not sure. Never asked that question. Probably don't want to know the answer. But he is worse off today than when he started before his dad died. What I want you to understand is that your job will never, ever satisfy you. Your money will never, ever satisfy you. And to be honest with you, please hear me when I say this. Don't misinterpret this. Your spouse or your children will never really satisfy you. The only person that's ever going to bring you true peace and true joy is Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. I remember one time Pastor... Jones was sharing a story with us about a a missionary that went overseas and they were very, very poverty poverty stricken over there. And the missionary said, sir, I'm going to pray for you and your poverty. And the man looked up at him. He said, oh, no. He said, I'll pray for you and the riches you have in America. We get some money. We feel like we don't need Jesus anymore. Here you have two brothers. Two brothers. And both of them are in the same boat together. But now there comes a turning point in their life. And let's see how each of them responds. For you see, the younger brother finally wised up and came to his senses. And the older brother responded the exact opposite. He became mad. Look what it says in Luke fifteen seventeen. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants had enough to spare. And the scripture goes on to say, And here I am, hungry, lonely, miserable. What he realized was, I really had it better up under my father's love and my father's care. Although at first I didn't think that, so I had to go learn the hard way, but really, I had it better. So now he comes home, And look at what it says, how the older brother responds. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't even go in the house. Church, it's a sad day when a lost family member comes back home to know Jesus and you won't even give them the time of day. Really, the problem wasn't with the brother. I mean, we could say the problem was with the brother. That really was just the symptom The problem was with the father. And he was mad at the father for blowing his money on his brother. And if he truly had a relationship with his father, he wouldn't have been angry. And so often you and I become so hypocritical and angry when we see some heathen get saved and we can't believe, like, God, why did you do that? They don't deserve it. Neither do we. We're no different than they are. So you see these two brothers? One is as ungodly and as holy as he can be. The other one is just walking the tightrope, looking good to the public. But he's just as unsafe, if not more unsafe, than his brother. He just appears to look good. And you know what appearance is? Nothing. Come on. Y'all have all lied. Y'all, you know when you're dating, you get real shaped up, look good. Guys finally take a shower, brush their teeth, you know, try to look good. They want to look great. And all of a sudden they get married and all that changes. (laughs) Ladies, you do the same. Don't lie. Y'all get all prettied up, do your hair. You you want to look good outwardly. What you really should, and I get it. I mean, I get it. We want to look good. You need to look good. Trust me. I remember my mom told me one time, she said, Son, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I said, You're right, but you can't read the book unless you like the title. (laughs) There's got to be some involved. But the problem we have is that marriages get so inclined and involved. This is your responsibilities, these are my responsibilities. That before we realize it, we've gone 10, 15 years and we haven't had an intimate, in-depth conversation with our spouse and now all of a sudden we're divorcing. We get so involved in the duties of our home that we forget the most important thing of all, our relationship with our spouse. We get so involved in the daily routine, we forget to do the neat things and the surprises. And if you're not careful, you'll fall into the same trap. Don't fall into the same trap. Make sure you love your spouse. Make sure you communicate. Make sure you share your heart, share your life, share your mind. It's not about what you need to do and what I need to do. It's about what we do together. And don't miss it. I don't know how I got off on that, but that's a freebie for you guys. <laughs> he also realized, the young, younger brother, he realizes... The father is all I need. And yet the older brother felt like he got cheated. One felt like this is all I need. The other one felt like he got cheated. Look at this in Luke 15, 17 through 19. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. That's key. Now he's recognizing him as his father. And he'll say, Father... I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This young man finally realized that nothing was going to be better in his life than his father. Church, nothing will ever be better in your life than the Heavenly Father. Listen, he's not the man upstairs. He's not the old man or the pie in the sky. He is God Almighty, and he wants to be called your father. Father. And when he becomes your father, life will drastically change. But he's got to become your father. Look how his brother responds. But he replied, after all these years, I've slaved for you. He's talking to his dad now. Not, Dad, I've lovingly worked with you. Dad, you're a master. He doesn't recognize him as father. He recognizes him as a master. Because after all, if you're going to say, I slaved for you, what are you declaring? I'm a slave. You're the master. And never once refused to do anything you told me. And at the time, you never gave me even a young goat. There's the complaint. You didn't even give me a goat. I mean, you gave him the fatted calf. I would have been happy with just a goat. But this is what's really sad. Why did he want the goat? Look at the verse. To feast with who? My friends. Notice, Dad, I did not want to feast with you. I, wanted to fe- I didn't even want to be with you, Dad. I just wanted to feast with my friends. He's in the presence of his father. And all he cares about is being away from his father. This man had every privilege in the world night after night. See, he didn't live in our year. He lived in a day and time when the work day was over. Everybody in the family came together. They sat down and they had dinner together. What was it like at the, converse, the conversations around that table? Didn't you want to talk? Didn't you want to engage with his dad? Apparently not. Because the party was thrown, and he knew nothing about it. You can come here this morning. You can sit here for one hour and not hear a single word from God Almighty, because you've already checked out, because you're worried about where you're going to the beach today, what you're going to have for lunch, what you' got to do tomorrow. And you can do that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And you'll be as lost as lost can be. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible, Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. But didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Jesus says, yeah, but I never knew you. Oh, you worked, but you never entered into an intimate relationship with me. That's where it's at. It's an intimacy with God. I'm going to give you a a hypothetical, fictional question. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Hypothetical, fictional. Because hypothetical questions are designed to stimulate your brain to think, is this me? Am I in this position? But the reason why it's got to be fictional, because this is so far from the truth, it's not even funny. But here's the hypothetical, fictional question. If you were to find out today that heaven is all filled up, it's closed its doors, nobody else is getting in, would you still love Jesus and come to church? Most people won't because the only reason you're coming to church is to get into heaven. You're no different than the older son. The only reason he was working for his father was to get the money. If the only reason you're coming to church is to get into heaven, if the only reason you're doing things is to get into heaven, you've missed heaven. Listen, I get it. Heaven has streets of gold. It may have some family members, but that's not heaven. Heaven is about a wonderful relationship with our Savior and Lord. That's heaven. And if you're going to heaven for any other reason, you're not going to make it. His reason for doing all that he was doing was to get to heaven. Your reason to be here this morning should be to meet with Jesus and allow him to love you and allow him to care for you and allow him to change you. That's, right. That's why you should be here. That's right. And if you're here for any other reason, you've missed it. It's about a relationship. One of the neatest stories in the Bible, Pastor Henry and I were talking about this week, is the story of Job. And Satan says this, God, the only reason Job loves you is because he has all these things. And God says, you can take everything away from him and he'll still love me. In other words, Satan, when you take everything from Job, he'll still be good for nothing. So if everybody anybody ever tells you you're good for nothing, you say, thank you Jesus. I want to be good for nothing. I want to be good regardless of what God gives me or what He doesn't give me. I want to be good regardless of what happens in my life or what doesn't happen in my life. I want to be good because I want to love Jesus. So are you good for nothing? Or are you just playing the Jesus card and being here because you hope He'll give you something? Just something to think about. Let me hurry up. We also see that even though this young man came to his senses, he did what we all need to do. He repented and came home. But yet the older brother wouldn't even dare come in. Look at us in Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father. You know what the word repent means? It means to turn around. It's a U-turn. Once again, rebelling against his dad, realizes he's wrong, u turn comes back to the father and says, Dad, I am so sorry. That was the key. He returned. And until you and I returned back to the Lord, we're lost. His brother had the same opportunity, but yet we hear that the older brother was angry and wouldn't even go in. He had the lifetime of an opportunity to celebrate with his father And with his lost brother coming home. And yet he was so mad, he stayed out. Listen. Some of you are carrying a lot of burdens in your heart today. You're mad at broken relationships. You're mad at what somebody did to you in the past. And as long as you hang on to that anger, you're no different than the older son. you got to let it go. You've got to repent and come home. And when you don't repent and come home... You're going to be left outside. You're going to miss the celebration. You're going to miss heaven. And when you finally decide to repent and come home, it is going to be a hallelujah day. Parable, earthly story, heavenly meaning. Look at the younger son in Luke fifteen twenty. So he returned home to his father... And while he was still a long way off, don't miss this, the Father saw him coming, filled with love. He ran to him. Do you understand? The moment you take that step out of that chair today to come forward to say, Jesus, I am so sorry, he's going to meet you where you're at. But you have to take that first step. And he will run to you. And not only that, he's not going to say, you sorry, no good for nothing sinner, I can't believe you did that. No. Notice what it says. He is filled with love and compassion. He embraced him. Notice he just didn't give him a side hug and say, I'm glad you're home. The Father just embraced him. When you truly get repentant, and you confess your sins to the Lord, he is going to just pull you in and embrace you. And when you allow him to embrace you with his love, all of the sorrow will leave you. All of the guilt is going to diminish and you're going to be a brand new person. But you have to make that call. But not only that, the father also pleaded with the older son. Luke 15, 28, it says, and his father came out and begged him. The father even pleaded with the older son. He pleads with you. He knows the situation you're in. He knows the damage you're doing to your life and your family's life. He knows what's going on. And he's pleading with you to come. If you'll just come to me, I'll save you. If you'll just come to me, I'll restore you. I'll redeem you. If you'll just come to me, I will help you. I will heal you. But you have to come to me. This is a heavenly story. About me and you admitting we are wrong, admitting we need help, and coming to Jesus and saying, save me, deliver me, rescue me. That's it. But what's sad is we know what happens to the younger son, but Jesus leaves us hanging with the older son. Look at me in verse... The last verses. Verses 22 and uh, 32. Notice what it says in 22. But his father said to the servants, Quickly, go bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. The younger son comes home. It is celebration. But notice how this chapter ends. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost But now he's found. And that's how it ends. Well, why doesn't Jesus tell us what happened to the older brother? I mean, why does he leave me and you hanging? This is what I really feel in my heart. The reason why we don't know what happens to the older brother, because it's not about the older brother, it's about me and it's about you. And you're the only one that can make this story end. Will you repent and come home to the Lord and allow not only River of Life to celebrate with high praise and allow the angels of heaven to rejoice? Or will you walk away from here rejecting the Father one more time and leave miserable, lonely, and angry? It's your choice. You make the call. Father, thank you for such truth. And Lord, I pray this morning for those who are out and out rebelling against you today. I pray they have seen the error of their way and they're coming home. But I also pray this morning for those of us who think we're okay, Lord, and we're really not. Holy Spirit, would you make it so clear to us? Would you allow us to see that it's all about you, about a relationship with you? Father, I ask that you will remove any and every distraction right now. That you will speak to our very hearts and lives. And that today we will give heaven a reason to celebrate because we're going to surrender our all to you. And I pray that in your son's most majestic and wonderful name, the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, Or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200. Or email us at info at ROLCrofferville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at ROLCrofferville.com
1: for more information and direction.